0: Welcome back to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Many of the stories I choose provide a unique historical perspective which allows you to see a different time and place through another person's eyes. In so doing, your knowledge of how the world has changed and your ability to compare and contrast different periods of history is increased. History should teach more than just names, dates, and events, and that's always been my goal. Literature, especially classic literature, is history's showcase window. The stories we bring you today are not classics, but they are an historical treasure. Imagine being able to travel back in time 100 years, and then having a chance to sit down with someone who wants to share just how much his world has changed in the past years. In the process of my research, I came across a book called Prairie Gold, published in 1917 and filled with stories from a collection of Iowa writers and journalists whose purpose it was to bring a little feeling of home to the many young men who had recently left the States to fight for freedom against tyranny in Europe in the Great War, World War I. Copies of this book were sent to the front lines so that many young men could try to remember just what home was like. I found the stories to be compelling and straightforward, and they provide access to a window of time which wasn't that long ago here in America. I hope you will enjoy them. For those of you who share our show with your family, these stories might provide some interesting conversation around the dinner table, when the question of how does life then differ from life today, and what would we miss most if we had to be away for an extended time? Maybe it's time to take a look around and start counting. Our first story is called, That Iowa Town. Written by Only Fred Sweet According to the popular songs, we are apt to get the impression that the only section of the country where there is moonlight and a waiting sweetheart and a home worth longing for is down in Dixie. Judging from the movies, a plot to appeal must have a mountain or a desert setting of the West. Fictitionists, so many of them, seem to think they must locate their heroines on Fifth Avenue and their heroes at sea. But could I write songs or direct cinema dramas or pen novels, I'd get my inspiration from that Iowa town. Did you ever drive in from an Iowa farm to a Fourth of July celebration? A few years back, the land wasn't worth quite so much an acre. The Sloths hadn't been tiled yet, and the country hadn't discovered what a limited section of real good corn land there was after all. But she was Iowa then. "'Remember how the hot sun dawned early to shimmer across the knee-high fields "'and blaze against the side of the big red barn? "'How the shadows of the willow windbreak shortened "'and the fan on top of the tall windmill faintly creaked? "'The hired man had decorated his buggy whip "'with a tiny ribbon of red, white, and blue. "'Buggy whip. Sound queer now?' "'Well, there were only three automobiles in the country then, "'and they were the feature of the morning parade.' Remember how the two blocks of Main Street were draped with bunting and flags, and the courthouse lawn was dotted with white dresses? Well, anyhow you remember the girls with parasols who represented the States, and the float bearing the Goddess of Liberty. And then the storm came in the middle of the afternoon. The lightning and the thunder, and the bunting with the red, white, and blue, somewhat streaked together, but still fluttered. And just before sunset, you remember— it brightened up again, and out past the low-roofed depot and the tall green elevator you could see the streak of blue and the play of the departing sun against the spent clouds. Nowhere else, above no other town, could clouds pile just like that. You remember that morning, once a year, when the lilacs had just turned purple out by the front gate, and the dew was still wet on the green grass, the faint strains of band music drifting out above the maples of the town... And flags hanging out on the porches. Decoration day! How we used to hunt through the freshly awakened woods north of town for the rarest wild flowers. Tender petaled blood roots there were in plenty, and cowslips down by the spring, and honeysuckles on the creek bank these late May days. But the ladies' slippers and the jack in the pulpits, one had to know the hidden recesses where they grew. Withered they became before the hot sun sank. "'sending rays from the west that made the tombstones gleam like gold. "'Somehow, on those days, the sky seemed a bluer blue "'when the words of the speaker at the Monument of the Unknown Dead "'were carried off by the faint breeze that muffled, too, "'the song of the quartet and the music of the band. "'But close in your ears were the chirps of insects in the bluegrass "'and the robins that hopped about in the branches of the evergreens.' We had our quota of Civil War veterans in that Iowa town. We had our company that went down to Chickamauga in 98. And now, well, you know what to expect from the youth of that sort of a community. Prosperity can't rob a place like that of its pioneer virtues. That Iowa town is an American town, and it simply wouldn't fit into the German system at all. There's nothing old world about it. The present generation may have it easier than their fathers did, They may ride in automobiles instead of lumber wagons. They may wear pinch-back coats and long beak caps instead of overalls and straw hats. But they have inherited something beside material wealth. We who owned none of its surrounding acres when they were cheap, and find them now so out of reach, are yet rich, fabulously rich in inheritance." The last I heard from that Iowa town, its youth was done in khaki for the purpose of helping to keep the Kaiser on the other side of the sea. But it was of the town we used to know that I was speaking. Changed? We must realize that. It was the sort that improves rather than grows. But we remember the place as it was before the blacksmith shop was turned into a garage and before the harness shop was given an electric lighted front and transformed into a movie theater. I guess the new generation has long since passed up the old opera house above the drugstore. For the rejuvenated harness shop and the actors that come by express in canned celluloid. But at county fair time, you remember, the Cora Warner Comedy Company used to come back for a week's engagement. Cora Warner, noticeably wrinkled as she walked through the park from the hotel, donning a blonde wig that enabled her to play so parts of the old school. And then there were the Beach and Bowers minstrels with their band that swung breezily up Main Street to form a circle on the bank corner and left the whole center of town out of the commonplace by the blare of trombones and the tenderness of clarinets. You remember how we Boy Scouts, who didn't know we were Boy Scouts, used to clamor for the front row of kitchen chairs after peddling bills for the Octoroon or Nevada and the Lost Mine. Oh, well, we're uninteresting old-timers now. "'And it used to be that I knew everyone in town. "'Even the transient baker "'whose family had no garden and chickens "'but lived up over the furniture store. "'And the temporary telephone man "'who sat out front of the hotel evenings "'with the pale-faced traveling man. "'That hotel, "'haunted with an atmosphere "'that was brought in from the outside world. "'Remember how you used to walk past it with awe? "'The hot sun on the plank sidewalk "'burning your bare feet? "'And your eyes wistful "'as you heard the busman on the steps call a train. "'And the time came when we took the train ourselves. "'And when we came back, when we came back, "'the town was still there. "'But the wondrous age when all life is roseate "'belonged to us no longer. "'And yet that town, to me, "'will always be as it was in those days "'when the world was giving me its first pink-tinted impressions. "'And when my tussle with the world as it really is "'comes to a close,' "'I want to go back there and take my last long sleep "'beneath one of those evergreens on the hillside "'where I know the robins hop along the branches. "'I know how each season's change comes there. "'The white drifts, the dew on the bluegrass, "'the rustling of crimson leaves. "'I'll know that off on the prairies beyond "'the cornfields will still wave green in the summer, "'and that from back across the creek, over in the schoolyard, There will float the old, hushed echo of youth at play. We'll return to our next story right after this sponsor message. And now, our next story, Old Bill, by Henry C. Wallace. We buried Old Bill today. As we came back to the house, it seemed almost as if we had laid away a member of the family. All afternoon I've been thinking of him, and this evening I want to tell you the story. Old Bill was a horse, and he was owned by four generations of our family. He was forty-one years old when he died. "'so you will understand that for many years "'he was what some might call a deadbeat boarder. "'But long ago he had paid in advance for his board "'as long as he might stay with us. "'In winter a warm corner of the stable "'was his as a matter of right, "'and not a day went by but a lump of sugar, "'an apple, or some other tidbit "'found its way to him from the hands of those who loved him. "'Old Bill was never in the slightest danger "'of meeting the sad fate of many a faithful old horse "'in the hands of the huckster.' or the trader. My grandfather liked a good horse. He loved to draw the lines over a team that trotted up into the bits as if they enjoyed it. He had such a team in the span of eleven hundred pound mares, full sisters, and well matched both as to appearance and disposition. The old gentleman said they were Morgan bred. Whether they were or not, they had a lot of warm blood in them, He raised several colts from these mares by light horses, but none of them had either the spirit or the quality of their dams. One year a neighbor brought in a Percheron horse, a rangy fellow ranging about seventeen hundred and fifty pounds, clean of limb and with plenty of life, as were most of the earlier horses of that breed. And grandfather bred those mares to him. The colts foaled the next spring, developed into a fine span, weighing about twelve hundred and fifty each, sound as nuts, willing workers and free-movers. Grandfather gave this team to my father the spring he started a farm for himself. They were then three years old, and one of them was old Bill. In those days the young farmer's capital was not very large, a team of horses, a cow, two or three pigs, and a few farm implements, the horses being by far the most important part of it. "'I shall not try to tell of the part these horses played in helping Father win out. "'They were never sick. "'They were always ready for work. "'And well do I remember Father's grief "'when Bill's mate slipped on the ice in a barnyard one cold winter day "'and had to be shot. "'It was that evening that my father talked of the important part "'a good horse plays in the life of a farmer "'and gave us a little lecture on the treatment of horses and other animals. "'I was but a lad of ten at that time.' but something Father said, or the way he said it, made a deep impression on me, and from that time forward I looked upon horses as my friends and treated them as such. What a fine thing it would be if all parents would teach the youngsters at an early age the right way to treat our dumb animals. Bill was already old Bill when he became mine. He was four years older than I when we started courting together, and my success must have been due in large part to his age and experience we had but a mile and a half to go, and of a summer evening Bill would trot this off at a pace equal to a much younger horse. When the girl of my affection was snugly seated in the buggy, he would move off briskly for half a mile, after which he dropped to a dignified walk, understanding full well the importance of the business in hand. He knew where it was safe to leave the beaten track and walk quietly along the turf at the side, and he had a positive genius for finding nice, shady places where he could browse the overhanging branches, looking back once in a while to see that everything was going along as it should be. I suppose I'm old-fashioned, but I don't see how a really first-class job of courting can be done without such a horse as old Bill. He seemed to take just about as much interest in the matter as I did. One night Jenny brought out a couple of lumps of sugar for him, a hopeful sign to me, by the way, and after that there was no time lost in getting her to the house "'where Bill very promptly announced our arrival "'by two or three knickers. "'One time I jokingly said to my wife "'that evidently she married Bill as much as she did me. "'That remark was a mistake. "'She admitted it more cheerfully than seemed necessary, "'and on sundry occasions afterward made pretty remind me of it. "'Sometimes she drew comparisons to my discredit, "'and if old Bill could have understood them, "'he would have enjoyed a real horse laugh.' "'Jenny always said that Bill knew more than some real folks. "'After the wedding, old Bill took us on her honeymoon trip—not a very long one, you may be sure—and the three of us settled down to the steady grind of farm life. "'We asked nothing hard of old Bill, but he helped chore around and took Jenny safely wherever she wanted to go. "'I felt perfectly at ease when she was driving him. "'I wish I had a picture of the three of them when she brought out the boy to show to old Bill.' "'I can close my eyes and see her standing in front of the old horse "'with the boy cuddled up in a blanket in her arms. "'I can see the proud light in her eyes, "'and I can see old Bill's sensitive upper lip nuzzling at the blanket. "'He evidently understood Jenny perfectly "'and seemed just as proud as she was. "'The youngster learned to ride old Bill "'at the age most children are riding broomsticks. "'Jenny used to put him on old Bill's back and lead him around.' but old Bill seemed so careful that before a great while she would trust him alone with the boy in the front yard, she sitting on the porch. I remember a scare I had one summer evening. Old Bill did not have much hair left on his withers, but he had a long mane lock just in front of the collar mark, and the youngster held on to this. I was walking up toward the house where Bill was marching the youngster around in front, Jenny sitting on the porch. Evidently a bot fly was bothering Bill's front legs. For he threw his head down quickly, whereupon the youngster, holding tightly to this main lock, slid down his neck and flopped to the ground. You may be sure I got there in a hurry, almost as quickly as Jenny, who was but a few steps away, and I was calling as I ran, Did he step on him? You should have seen the look of scorn Jenny gave me. Such an insult to old Bill deserved no answer. The old horse seemed as much concerned as we were, and Jenny promptly replaced the boy on his back and the ride was resumed, with me relegated to the corner of the porch in disgrace, as if old Bill would hurt her boy. Old Bill's later years were full of contentment and happiness, if I know what constitutes horse happiness. In the winter he had the best corner in the stable. In the summer he was the autocrat of the small pasture where we kept the colts. He taught the boy to ride properly, and with due respect for his steed. He would give him a gallop now and then, but as a rule he insisted upon a dignified walk. And if the youngster armed himself with a switch and tried to have his way about it, the old fellow would quickly show who was boss by nipping his little legs just hard enough to serve as a warning of what he could do. Bill had a lot of fun with the mares and colts. We never allowed the colts to follow the mares in the fields, but kept them in the five-acre pasture with Bill for company. At noon he would lead the mares in after they'd cooled off, and let the colts suck... "'and at night we turned the mares into the pasture with them. "'Bill had a keen sense of humor. "'He would fool around until the colts had finished "'and then gallop off with all the colts in full tilt after him. "'Naturally the mares resented this. "'They followed around in great indignation, but it did them no good. "'We used to walk over to the pasture fence and watch this little by-play, "'and I think Bill enjoyed having us there, "'for he kept up the fun as long as we would watch.' "'he surely was not popular with the mares. "'They regarded him about as the proud mother regards grandfather "'when he entices away her darling boy "'and teaches him tricks, of which she does not approve. "'Although Bill took delight in teaching the colts "'mean little tricks during their days of irresponsibility, "'when they reached the proper age, "'he enjoyed the part he had to play in their training "'with a grim satisfaction. "'For more than twenty-five years, "'he was our main reliance in breaking the colts to work.' "'It was amusing to watch a colt the first time he was harnessed "'and hooked up to the wagon alongside Bill, "'his halter strap being tied back to the hames on Bill's collar. "'Our colts were always handled more or less from infancy, "'and we had little trouble in harnessing them. "'When led out to the wagon with Bill, "'the colt invariably assumed he was out for a good time. "'But the bill he found now was not the bill he had known in the pasture, "'and he very quickly learned that he was in for real business.' and Bill was a strict disciplinarian. He tolerated no familiarities. With his teeth he promptly suppressed any undue exuberance of spirit. He was kind, but firm. As he grew older, he would lose patience now and then with the colts that persisted in their unruly ways. When they lunged forward, he settled back against their plunges with a bored air, as much to say, "'Take it easy, my young friend. You surely don't think you can run away with old Bill?' "'When they sulked, he pulled them along for a bit. "'But if they continued obstreperousness, "'he turned upon them with his teeth in an almost savage manner, "'and the way he would bring them out of a sulky spell was a joy to see. "'Finally, when the tired and bewildered colt had settled down for an orderly walk "'and had learned to respond to the guiding reins, "'Bill would reward him with a caress on the neck and other evidences of his esteem. "'Old Bill knew the game thoroughly.' and was invaluable in his work of training the young ones. But after the first round at the wagon with him, the Colts always seemed to feel as if they'd lost a boon companion. They kept their friendship for him, but they maintained a very respectful attitude, and never after took liberties unless assured by his manner that they'd be tolerated. During the school season Bill's regular job was to take the children to school a mile away. They rode him, turning him loose to come home alone. He learned to go back for them in the afternoon. "'and he delivered them at the porch with an air as much to say, "'There's your little folks, safe and sound, thanks to old Bill.' "'Jenny always met him with an apple or a lump of sugar. "'She and old Bill seemed to be in partnership "'in about everything he could have a part in. "'They understood each other perfectly, "'and I don't mind confessing now that once in a great while "'I felt rather jealous of old Bill.' "'Well, as I said in the beginning, we buried old Bill today.' He died peacefully, and, as we say of some esteemed citizen, full of honors. He was buried on the farm he helped pay for, and, foolish as it may seem to some folks, before long a modest stone will mark his last resting place. And sometimes, of a summer afternoon, if I find Jenny sitting with her needlework in the shade of the big oak tree under which old Bill rests, I will know the tender memories of a faithful servant are being woven into her neat stitches.' Thank you for joining us for Prairie Gold and A Little Iowa Reminiscing. We appreciate your support at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. And although today's story was not a classic story, it was a little piece of history, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much for sharing our show, and thank you for your support, especially at patreon.com forward slash 1001storiesnetwork. We appreciate your support at Patreon very much. Everyone stay safe, and we'll be back soon.